Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Look back and I just see this this buck with these really tall, like basically it looks like straight giant up antlers. I'm like, that's odd. And I wonder if he's just a big spike and he kind of turns his head then and I kind of see how palmated he is and everything. I'm like, that's really cool. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Oh, obsession podcast. All right, we are back. Welcome back, everyone, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. We've been gone for a little bit, a few weeks off due to some busy hunting schedules and everything we got going on right now, but we're happy to be cranking the podcast back up and getting back on track with you guys. I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your podcast host, and this week we are joined by one of our own and no stranger to the podcast, our pro staffer Tim Burgess from Colorado. Tim, welcome back, man. Thanks, Sam. Good to be back. Yeah, man. So I know we got some specific stuff that uh, that we want to talk about, um, including a whitetail. Um, I think it's kind of going to be part of the meat of the discussion that you killed out there uh, in Colorado on your your farm up there. But to kind of give our listeners just a little bit of a backdrop and kind of your your history on the podcast and everything, you've been on here a few times with us. Um, I think the most recent one you were on here with was episode 73, titled Hunting Colorado. Talked a little bit about uh, just some of the hunting opportunities up there in, in your area and some, some draw and tag specifics and stuff like that. Might not be super relevant to, to this time of the year necessarily, but it's definitely a, a good one to, to look at. Same with the other two that you were that you were part of episode 57 and 58 over some draw application deadlines and stuff. And, uh, also, uh, planning your own safari. So both those are really good episodes 
all those really good episodes and encourage our listeners to go back and hit those up if uh, it suits their preferences at all. So, but looking forward to getting into this discussion with you today. So, sounds good. Let's get into it. So, man, 2021, and you sent me out of the blue just a picture of a monster buck on the ground. So, set the stage for me. Like, how did that buck come around? Did you have any idea he was out there? Um, kind of walk us into the events leading up to that hunt. Yeah. So this year, um, I, uh, so I, I, my year always starts in March with putting in for the draw. And then in June, you find out what you get. So, uh, out of my farm, there's basically like three tag options for rifle, well, rifle hunting. Uh, one is like for any buck in the early season, which is basically two weeks at the end of October into November, two weeks in December is the second option. And the third option is to get a white tail, either sex tag. And so I always put in for that, the later season because the corn's down. And so it's always a lot better options to get around and find deer. Um, Cause they're not just hanging out in a cornfield, you know, 95% of the daylight. So uh, this year I ended up not getting either of those tags because they take several preference points, usually around five to get either of the, any buck tag. So I got that whitetail only tag. So it's good for either sex. And it's also what's called a season's choice tag. So it's good for basically October 1st through December 31st. It's good for archery, basically the whole period. And then during the rifle seasons or muzzleloader seasons, you can use that stuff as well. Or if you archery hunt, then you have to use a, have to wear orange. So not the end of the world, but gives you a lot of options, huge seasons. You get, you know, three months, four weeks of rifle seasons, another like six days of muzzleloader. So it gives you a ton of opportunity to fill a tag. Um, and so it's a great tag to get as a second choice. So I ended up with that. And then uh, first weekend I went out was like 25th or so of October. I was out, went out on a Saturday night and hunted Sunday with my bow for – the morning, look, look, basically how it kind of works is you drive around and find the, where the whitetails are. Because there's like four main places that they'll hang out at my farm or on a neighbor's place that we have permission on. And so you can pretty well tell at first light if they're going to be where you want them to be or not. And so that day, I didn't see a single whitetail. So I hunted, hunted all morning, nothing. So I, I got some some work done, put out some new water tanks we had at some of our places and got ready. Cause the, the next weekend was this rifle season. And my dad had the any buck tag that season. So it's really about that weekend's all about getting him a mule deer because our mule deer out there usually are insanely huge. I know you, my brothers in 2018 have sent you was ginormous. And the one I got 19 was pretty typical and it's, it's a large solid mule deer. So oh, yeah. you got some we, studs uh, out there for sure. No doubt. Yeah. So we, we really wanted to focus on making sure that weekend was pretty much about my dad and one of the people that used to work with my grandma, his son, uh, had, had that buck tag. So we were really focused on getting it set up for that. Now I'm messing the old deer season up and then getting them ready. So yeah, I went home that Sunday, came back on Friday, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, my dad and, uh, the other friend went out and looked around and me and my brother both had the whitetail tag. So we kind of went, I went a different direction. My brother kind of hung out at the house, trying not to mess anything up. No whitetail all morning. They, they missed the, 
a decent mule deer buck um, first thing, first light. And then they didn't see any more the that morning. And then of course, you know, hit the midday lull and everything slows down. So that, that afternoon we get a call from one of the neighbors saying, Hey, there's like 25 or 30 mule deer in this field. There's at least two large bucks and a bunch of smaller bucks, tons of does. So we, we go over to the, where this place is and it's a neighbor's place that we have permission on. So basically it's, it's a mile wide property about a now 200 yards from the road on each side, there starts to be these tree rows. There are two sets of trees that run all basically all the way to the middle. Then there's a gap in the middle of about 300 yards between the tree rows, two to 300 yards. And so we kind of just walk towards each other knowing that only two people can shoot mule deer. So we put them on opposite sides. So my dad's coming on the, the north side of the trees from the east. I'm coming on the north side of the trees from the west. The other guy with the any any deer any buck tag is on the north side of the trees on the from the west, and my brother's on the south side of the trees from the east. Push in, and because we had seen the the bucks on the west the west trees where we were, so we we're really hoping that our buddy would get the shot. We get up there, and those two big ones are just gone. Out pouring out of the trees in front of me, though, are mule deer, mule deer, doe, buck, doe, buck, little buck, little buck, doe. You know, anything from like a little forky to like a little, some little four by fours that were probably like two years, two and a half deer after deer after deer. And they're all going over like 500 yards from me. There's a, there's a horse hanging out and they're all hanging out like just on this side of the fence from him. So there's 20 some, some does and about eight bucks hanging out over there. And then all of a sudden I just start hearing shots rip out from up ahead. So I know it's my dad. He rips out a shot, hits a, hits a small buck keeps running he shoots it a second time hits it again shoots it a third time and they finally get it on the ground and so he got his first deer ever was this little it's a little buck but it's a great one got us a lot of good meat so uh he was super pumped to get his first deer and it was, it was out there till about 10 years ago there really weren't any deer and then the last 10 years things have just exploded deer population wise um the quality is not always there um, with the white tails, but the mule deer, it's always been awesome. So the last 10 years or so. So dad got his first one. So we get that heading off the town to go to the processor. And so me and my brother and the other, other guy go looking around some more and don't see anything. Sunday, the weather's supposed to, that's Saturday. Sunday comes around, the weather's supposed to be terrible. So we hunt the morning and then it's supposed to like snow and like six inches, eight inches that afternoon, be really windy and be tough. So Knowing that I have to work on Monday, and if I get snowed out there, my wife will kill me. I, uh, I left at lunch, like, you know, a lot of us would hate to do, but I, you know, it's the best time to hunt, but I'm going to leave and make sure I get home and don't get stuck out there because I, I don't need that lecture when I still got months left of hunting season and this corn's still up. So it's at this point, I know it's not premium hunting for me. You know, I've got another, that season, I still have like, 12 more days of rifle hunting if I could sneak back out or I had another 14 in December. So I'm not going to risk it now to blow up the rest of the year. Yeah. So I uh, go home that afternoon. Our, the buddy shoots a nice buck um, on the same, same field. My dad shot his and actually it was kind of funny. So it was, um, it's a good one. When the uh, guys were up on the staff hunt last year, we drove by that place and there were probably nine, bucks equal to or bigger than that one i shot in 2019 so it's 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 got some really nice mule deer that hang out in there and 
and frequent through there. So it's, uh, it's a cool spot, but, uh, so that was a good day. So then we kind of fast forward to the second weekend of November is pheasant opener. And that's just like family tradition. Everybody always goes. So we got a bunch of people out there and it's still bow season for me. So I'm like, well, I'll get up early because you know, pheasant hunting, you don't, we don't leave the house till after sun's up and you can see and everything. Once we're hunting your own ground, you don't have to worry about beating everybody to a spot. And, you know, it's much easier to be able to see the difference on a bird when you can actually see good. So I get up and I get to go deer hunt in the morning and drive around and mule deer, mule deer, mule deer, nice big mule deer, another nice mule deer, no whitetails. So we start hunting. First field, we jumped the first mule deer, the first whitetail deer I've seen literally since July. I'm about to have a heart attack. I'm like, yes, there's finally a whitetail here somewhere. It's a little <laughs> doe. But I'm like, I don't care what it is. If, you know, because I, I, like I said, my tag's either sex. It's good for whatever. I'm like, there's one here. It makes me happy. I could finally see him. It's uh, it's basically the east end of the uh, field where my trail cameras are that I send everything to. So I know, like, there's tons of whitetails in here all the time, you know. But it's just a matter of, like, I actually saw one in the daylight makes me feel a lot better maybe something will turn out so that afternoon uh, we got seven roosters that morning so it was pretty good good for how bad the weather has been out there for pheasants it was been really dry the last few years and last year's probably was the worst season in the history of my hunting at the farm so in like 15 or 20 years whatever it is now uh this year we were did a little better uh so we got seven which is good but not great we had shot better. We probably had 15 or 20, but that's how it goes. So the afternoon, kind of midday, I decided to kind of just like check the spots where they, there's sometimes deer hanging out, knowing that it's kind of like I'm throwing a absolute Hail Mary and especially trying to stalk into a super high, tall grass area with a bow. Um, and your shot window is basically between trees. It's like, this guy doesn't absolutely Hail Mary, but it, if I blow them out, it's no big deal. I'm not going to be back out here chasing them for a month. So they're going to be back where I want them to be. Do that that afternoon. Don't see anything. Sunday, same thing. Get up early, go drive around. Don't see any more whitetails. Um, hunt pheasants. We don't get any birds. The wind was pretty bad. And conditions are never good. And then Sunday after opening day for pheasants is always kind of a disaster because everybody and their mom was out hunting yesterday. So all the birds in the whole area are fly, flown around and they know, hey, this one field in the whole place, nobody hunts, will stay there. And so kind of just hunker down hard and you don't see them until it snows again so fast forward nothing real nobody goes out to the farm for a couple weeks i end up going out uh, like december 2nd or 3rd whatever that friday was or we went up thursday and then i hunted friday friday morning spent whole day hunting and my whole family came with me so this is kind of a, the best part is my wife and my two daughters actually got to hunt with me for the first time ever so awesome uh my uh my daughter was with me first thing in the morning when we get up and go got up a little later than first light just because of want to be able to see and with her and everything and i'm going to take a gator so that she doesn't have to sit in her car seat so she can actually kind of watch what's going on and see everything well first thing i do is open the garage door there's a raccoon hanging out in her water dish like seven yards from the from the house huh. And he's like freaking out in the water dish, like seeming like he has a seizure or something. So we uh, somehow have time to get the gun out of the case because in Colorado you have to have guns in a gator or like ATV or something like in a full case. So I 
get the gun out of the case, get the bullets out of my vest, get it loaded. And he still hadn't moved out. He just, just climbed out of the water dish. I'm like, well, we're going to take care of this raccoon. So we got raccoon first thing in the morning and she was just loving it. Looking at the raccoon from the gator and like, Oh, that's cool. And that was awesome. So after that, we drive, drive around for a while in the gator and she loves riding it. in anyway, she's been out in it a couple of times and it's super fun to just hang out with your, you know, almost three year old in a, environment they don't normally get to and they're just having a blast so we drive around a bunch don't see any white tails uh, my wife and other daughter get up and so we drive around with them a bit to kind of look for stuff and one of my uncles bought a place sort of close like seven miles from our farm that has a, a horse and two donkeys so take kind of a midday break and go over there and see the donkeys and chickens and horses and stuff and go hang out there and come back put the kids down for a nap um the and then of course my youngest daughter now doesn't want a nap because she you know she's nine months and doesn't do anything you want her to do so <laughs> well i was like well i'll drive around with her in the in the truck because she can you know she can be in her car seat and you know you know you always leave the farm with a gun and things happen or things don't happen so driving around with her finally around like two o'clock i get a text from my wife or like maybe two thirty or three o'clock whatever it was Get a text from my wife, hey, we're awake. I'm like, okay, well, I'll be back in five minutes. Let's go. Like, come get in the car. We'll go. And we'll go We'll go look for deer. Because I was like, you can either hang out with my grandpa and watch TV, or you can come hang out and come, come hunt for deer. And she's like, yeah, we'll go hunt for deer. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we start driving around, and we're getting close to last light, sort of, because it's, you know, super early ending. I think last light is 450-ish. We're probably about 420 now. We're driving around the east edge of that uh, field where my trail cameras are. So basically like this very west corner of it's a little feedlot with trees and stuff. And the rest of it's just like 630, 620 ish acres of wheat, either growing wheat or CRP, or I mean, stubble, wheat stubble. So the way it works is it's in the three sections. So the southmost section and the northmost section right now are growing weeds. They're basically just like green grass about the length of, I don't know, five, two inches off the ground, if that, maybe three inches. And then the middle section has stubble. So it's it's about knee high because we have a special stripper header for our combine that'll take the just the kernels off the top of the wheat. So it just takes the very top and leaves as much of the sticks behind as possible. So we're driving on the very east edge up this edge and we look over and then on one of the hills on the stubble, we see like 13 or 14 whitetail does. I'm like, hey, we're going to drive around to the other side and see if they, and the whitetails out there are like, you even like think, you even see them and they're already running. Like it's, they just don't stop like deer anywhere else where the mule deer, they're like, you can stop your car, look at them. And if they're eight yards off the road, they'll just hang out. It's like, hey, what's up? Yeah. You have like a 150 inch buck who doesn't even care that you're just like stopped literally like arms reach from him almost. It's, it's crazy. But, uh, so these does take off. So we drive up and around the North side and right when we make the corner, I'm like, there's a lone deer there. Stop. I tell my wife, she's driving. So I was like, stop the car. Let's see. Look back. And I just see this, this buck with these really tall, like basically it looks like straight giant up antlers. I'm like, that's odd. And I wonder if he's just a big spike and he kind of turns his head then and I kind of see how palmated he is and everything. I'm like, that's really cool. So I'm like, turn back around. Let's go back down the side and see if I can slip up. We can get close enough where I can slip out and kind of you keep driving and pass on to him. So we get to where 
I'm basically straight even with him side or side to side. So he's out there and I slip out of the car. He's like 450 yards. I'm like, I got to get in the ditch and then see if I can sneak a little bit. So I just have my wife kind of inch along. And the way the, the fields work is you have a spot where it's like a fill where you can just kind of drive down into it. So I tell her to go up into the fill and just pull in just because he'll probably stop at that point and really stare at her. Of course, that's not what happens. He takes takes off to like basically from the north edge of the stubble field to the south edge. So I kind of go up and around him knowing like he's going one of two places. There's either a draw in the southwest corner he's going to head towards or there's the, the feedlot where my cameras are in the north in the the southeast corner so like i know where he's going it's one of those two spots there's no way he's going anywhere else so i kind of cut him in the middle knowing like hey if he runs that other way it's downhill substantially i can shoot farther that way than i can going the other way so i get across and then i get probably 80 yards from him or so and he just like lays down so his antlers are just hanging out right above the stuff and i've got my scope dialed all the way up because i was going to take that shot at 450 so i've got it at 10 and I'm like sneaking in slowly. So I get from 80 to about 60 and he stands up and I'm at 10. So I pull up my gun real quick. And of course, 10 power, I can't find him. He's off and running. Huh. So I step up over a little hill and I see him. He's running down and away to the, to the draw where I thought he would squeeze off. Um, and just, well, I guess once he got up, I shot three times really quick. Once I kind of found him again, I shot three times with him moving and everything. Missed those three real bad. So I switch mags, um, reload everything, switch over. He's running down the hill. Take my time on this one, squeeze off, and just um, so he just face pants rolls done, down and out. So my wife drives over, picks me up, and he's like 250 at this point, 250 yards. So we drive over there, end up getting to him, and my daughter's screaming the whole time, "Let me go see the deer! Let me go see the deer!" And I'm like, "We gotta make sure he's dead." get over he's done let her out she comes over and and gives him you know stares at him for a while keeps pointing to him tell my wife how cool he is comes over and pats him and plays the antlers and so that was super cool to see and you know we've been watching a lot of deer hunting shows the last six months or so together and so it was really cool for her to get to see this and for me to get to see her interact with like her first you know deer ever besides like on tv or whatever so that was super awesome so then I call my grandpa and well, the way we always do processing is we got a really awesome processor in town. That's like 40 minutes away. So I call grandma and tell her and call my grandpa, Hey, grab the tractor, get him out here. Let's get him into the, tr- get him into a truck and get him, get him off to town. Grandma calls and, and I'm like, and so I call you already call the neighbor to get him to come over and help me. Uh, he's got a sp- special way. He does tough. He does some of the taxidermy work for us. And uh, grandma calls back, hey, the, the processor will do it all for us. We just got to get it there in the next 30 minutes. And it's already 40 minutes to get there. I'm like, well, I guess grandpa needs to get here quicker in the tra- tractor, and then we'll get going from there. <laughs> so he gets there, and we get back to the farm. And it's only a little over a mile, maybe a mile and a half back to the farm. It's really not very far. But uh, So we get back, and he stops the tractor in the most like oblivious place and doesn't realize that we're trying to do this. So then it's it's dark now because I hit it. Like I said, it was like last light. Now we're well after last light after getting everything settled and everything. So it's dark and the tractor's got a loader on it. So you can't see very well in the dark because it blocks the headlights and everything. So I'm in the back of the pickup trying to get him to come up to me and he's not paying attention. So I jump into the cab, back the pickup up part of the way, get him to 
move the loader. We do some stuff, get them into the bed and take off for town, you know, going as fast as we cat fast as you can driving the speed limit, but you know, maybe a little more here and there, <laughs> get them to there. The processor we find, I find out when I get there that he had had um, some kind of surgery that morning and had came in to show his guy how to do all the cuts to cape it and everything for us. Like he shouldn't even have been out of his house, let alone help and cut up a deer. And he, oh, he did wow. a lot more than he should have. We'll put it that way. So it was definitely small town service. You aren't going to get, you know, at any other processor. So it's pretty funny. And yeah, end up uh, doing all that and send it and uh, send it off the taxidermist on the following Monday and everything. And we, uh, we do our hamburger where he mixes in beef equal percentage. So 50% to ma- double our hamburger output basically. Uh-huh. So this deer, and I was like, this one's way smaller than my one last year. Body wise, I was just couldn't believe it. I felt like it's way, way smaller. And so this year we got, we had to buy 74 pounds of hamburger. So we got 148 pounds of hamburger total. Oh wow! Last year we bought like 82 pounds. So I was like, what? He's only eight pounds less hamburger with about the same amount of steaks and roasts is like he seemed way smaller than that so i was i was just shocked by that whole thing about how much bigger his body was than it really looked um, when i was up up around him i guess man this deer is i mean he's an absolute stud is what he is you had Mm -hmm. you had no idea that this caliber of deer was roaming around out there so i have a couple others that were probably in the same inch inch area that were not were very typical, you know, four by fours or five by fives. Uh, but nothing like him where he, I mean, he, my uncle who lived, well, the one that lived out there, I sent him a picture and he sent back, did you get a dang moose? Like, you know, his <laughs> palmated like a moose. And, and seriously, like, the pictures don't do it justice. How palmated this, this guy really is. It's insane. Um, you know, parts of his palm are wider than the palm of my hand. Like parts of his antlers are wider than the palm of my hand. It was just absolutely insane. Um, and then his brow time on the, uh, the right side, I would call if you're facing out from him, the right side or left, however you want to do that was split, but it was still like six, eight inches long. It's like the weirdest, longest brow type I've ever seen. And it split at the end. But yeah, it was just like super crazy so like i know we have some nice deer out there and of course they eat i mean there's corn all around us they got all the food they'd ever need yeah you can't do bait or mineral or anything so that doesn't help them too much but i mean they get so much food just within yards of where they're gonna hang out all the time that they they just grow huge because they got nothing else to do and that is he's an insane buck and i'm very curious to to learn what he's going to score I, I have my suspicions but he's just he's a very unique deer like you said the super thick palmated main beams and everything but and then what makes him even more unique is the the super narrow inside spread like he's yeah. just he's an incredible deer yeah his tips almost touch like it's it's not far between his tips up at the very tip uh, the other crazy thing about this season i totally forgot to mention so that between when i was out there I had pulled my cards when I was out there archery hunting in October and we had this one really nice, pretty typical, but with a couple kicker buck, um, that was hanging out like crazy. He's hanging out at the feedlot a lot. He hang out. My grandma had multiple pictures of him at the water trap, like literally yards from our garage door. 
right next to where I shot the raccoon, like literally yards from the house. And uh, he's just hanging out all the time. She was seeing him a lot. I've had three or four years of the pictures with this buck. Uh, really nice body, funky, but really cool rack. Very more, much more typical than this one. But like for us, like he's pretty funky because of where his kickers were. Uh, we, my grandma gets a call that Wednesday of that week from a neighbor saying, Hey, I hit a deer in your driveway. Um, you might want to check that out. And they go, whatever, we'll check it in the morning. And we're next to my grandma's garden is this guy just laying there, you know, is the number one on my hit list. Oh, man. So I went from like this super huge high of this work. Like I had seen him. He was right there. I missed him. I didn't see him in archery season, but my, my uncle thought he saw him about a mile away somewhere else. Like the next night of Monday night. So we're like, okay, he's there. He's still here. I got a good shot on rifle season finding him. Boom. He gets hit by a car like on Wednesday. Rifle season opens Saturday. Oh, so I'm just like crushed and like just down in the dumps and, I, I remember texting him. I'm just like, dude, this this is the worst. And yeah. This season is like toast because it's like I know like our whitetails hang out for like a couple weeks here and there, and then they're gone. So it's like if you know his buddy he had a buddy that hang out with him was about the same size, never saw the buddy again. So I think he just got, and he was with the buddy was there when the guy got when the guy hit him. So I was really hoping when he said it was two nice bucks that ran, and I was hoping he hit the other one. Well, it's not quite as nice, but now he hit the hit the main guy. So it's just kind of like. Ugh. So that was the other crazy part of the season. I was like down in the dumps for a long time. And then this crazy, awesome buck came out of nowhere and totally changed everything. I was going to say things happen for, for a reason in more ways than one sometimes, but you you were able to fill your tag with one heck of a buck. So, yeah. And the, the other kind of crazy thing. So since we had seen so little deer and no whitetails, I was really hunting hard on our basically carded as a leftover list where if people turn tags back in that take less than five points to draw, you can just buy them. You just pay the money and you can just buy it. If, if you have certain tags are A's, so you can only have one A, um, but this whitetail tag is a B tag. So I can buy any other B tag or an A tag. Well, one of my grandpa's cousins owns some land in a neighboring unit, you know, right? Basically right up against the soft flat river. Um, they don't own the actual river, but some some acreage with corn, cows and stuff on it, right near right near there. And so I've been watching, and a private land only buck tag came up in that unit. So I was like, "Yep, buying it. I can go hunt over there." And they have deer all the time. They just don't have usually as big a deer as we do, just because it's kind of a a pass through zone where they'll have deer for a day and then they're they're gone the next day, kind of passing up and down the river. So like, well, I'll try, I'll buy that and try that. So knowing that I kind of had this other tag in my pocket, we plan, I planned going four days at the farm this week, that weekend. And so Saturday, we kind of just took it easy after I got that buck on Friday and hung out with the family and my wife and the kids went home then. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to strap it and go hunt this other tag and see if I can get double up. So Sunday I go over there and um, my cousin, or I guess it's my dad's cousin, I meet him over at the, his place and we, uh, he tells him there's two other guys hunting with him, hunting for does. And they're already out in the field, basically line up on some does. And there's one little buck with them and a bunch of does guy shoots three times, gets the doe. And then of course every deer in, you know, five miles is gone. So I hang out a bit and kind of just get the lay of lay of the, the place. And it's a, you know, a nice big pasture where we can see forever. And 
backs up the basically the edge of it is like 50 yards from the riverbank so you're perfect to get deer crossing and lover so that day i did that and then that night i came back and of course the wind is flipped so it's going south they're on the south side of the river so it's going south to north just blowing everything out and then same next morning come back tons of deer on the way in does everywhere every neighbor's property out there has does no bucks get to his place there's three does in the corner and there had been it's still i mean it's the end of the rut but there's still a chance that somebody's going to show up so i hang out hang out hang out the does leave you know nine o'clock rolls around i'm like yeah this is done so go back come back that night winds blowing again the wrong way super like almost hurricane force winds coming in so it's like oh it's monday at four o'clock i better better head back because about burned up all my time so i about doubled about had a double up because but that's the way it goes we had still had an awesome deer season absolutely for sure now i got one question about your farm and just kind of hit, yeah. hit my mind as as you were talking actually earlier on in the episode um, you mentioned just kind of briefly y'all's history with, you know, 10 years ago, not having very many deer out there and then everything just exploding the, the whitetail management, you know, nerd in me <laughs> wants to know what, do you have any idea what contributed to that sudden increase in both mule deer and, and whitetail activity in your area over that span of time? So I'm sure part of it's that we, my grandpa really planned out the farm for pheasants, but it's like, it'll help everything. Basically we have tree rows and heavy cover of like sorghum food plots every quarter mile. So it's like nothing has to travel more than a quarter mile to get to a really secure cover location. Um, and like I said, a bunch of the neighbors have corn. So there's corn uh, usually on two or at least two, if not three sides of us and usually at least 500 acres in like each adjoining, like within one section of the house, basically the, the way it works is they're in one mile by one mile section. So it's 640 acres to an area. And so like within three miles of the house in any one way, there's, there's several hundred, if not more than that acres of corn. So there's tons of food. Uh, there's a dry Creek bottom uh, through one part of our, places that's a draw that sometimes has water like it'll get stuck in there when it rains got some deeper pits um and then whitetails like to hang up in that draw and then that goes into a neighbor's property that basically where this deer i shot was running into so this draw kind of continues for a long ways and it's pretty popular with the whitetails but i think the big thing is our tree rows really matured they're evergreens in there probably mostly 10 plus if not 15 plus feet tall now um and then the the food plots have helped a bunch the last two years they haven't grown that great because they're, they're we've been so dry but i'm guessing it's just available the food and then better cover uh year round we have quite a bit of crp and so that makes a big difference too just kind of yeah. a bit of good good pro good cover and good food and you're gonna have stuff hanging out yeah for sure awesome very interesting well, man, before we wrap it up, I know kind of like I said at the beginning when we were talking about some of the previous episodes that you've been on here with, you know, you're, you obviously know the ins and outs of a lot of Colorado's uh, tags and draw systems and stuff like that. So kind of this stage of the year that we're in right now, end of 2021, beginning of 2022, um, you got any pointers for anybody or any info on any tags or draws that guys need to keep an eye on? 
Yeah, so uh, Turkey, the Turkey Cardo 2022 Turkey Book actually just came out. So that's basically the rules get published, and it ends up in your mailbox if you spend enough money with them every year that they, they just mail them to you, so I don't have to go look them up. So I got that in the mailbox today, actually. I noticed it before we started recording. So it looks like the draw deadline for that's going to be for spring is February 1st, and for, mall, uh, for fall, it's going to be March, May 31st. Um, so if you're looking at a turkey tag in Colorado, it's definitely time to start thinking about it. Um, I'll uh, highlight one area that's really awesome. If you can get a tag, is 92. Um, that's actually that river property. I'm my uncle or my grandpa's cousin has is a 92. Uh, it's a really small unit up in the corner, basically just along the river. And then, I mean, literally it's like two miles on each side, three miles on each side of the river is it. Um, but there's two really big, uh, public access areas there, state wildlife areas, which is really rare for Eastern Colorado to have any public areas. Um, so it makes those tags really popular, but I would definitely think about looking at those. If you're uh, looking to hunt turkey in Colorado this year, is look at that place and see if you can maybe make that work. Um, as for big game, um, nothing yet. We're, it'll be, book will probably get released mid February, late February, like always. Uh, one tip I have for everybody though is for Christmas, Colorado will do, uh, Carl Parks and Wildlife does gift cards. And so, uh, if you ask for a gift card for Christmas and it covers your draw application fees and everything, well, then you, if you end up getting the tag, you're just like, well, you gave me the gift card to, for Chris, Santa gave me the gift card for Christmas. I guess I got to buy this tag now and go. So, uh, something to think about there to, to get that taken care of. And, um, I know I've done that a couple times and I'm going to try to do it this year. Um, next year, I'm going to start building my mountain goat points. And those are, as a resident, it's like $57 and change every year to buy another point. And so I figure if I get a gift card for Christmas for that, I can justify it a lot easier than paying it <laughs> out of pocket for the next 25 years till I might finally draw when I'm, you know, in my 50s or 60s at that point. Well, there you go. Yeah, guys, if you're looking for any last-minute stalking stuffers at this point, um, it might be worth checking that out. I didn't know that they did that, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, and then one other thing, I've still got a elk hunt coming up in January, and so one thing that I recommend if you are a Carter resident is looking at those ranching for wildlife hunts. That's actually what I've got coming up, and I'm sure we'll do another podcast, talk about it later, but it's been a really unique opportunity so far with all the information I've got from them and everything, so... I'm sure there'll be more to come when I actually get it taken care of and hopefully get a cow um, in January and find a place to fit all the meat in my freezer because right now we're a little full. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Very cool. Well, man, yeah, for sure, after uh, after your elk hunt and as we get more into that February-March window when uh, those those draw applications are starting to come to light and everything, we'll we'll be sure that we get – uh, connected with you again on here and get some good info out to our listeners so uh, i know we've done that before and we'll be sure we do it again this year so sounds good well guys i appreciate y'all tuning in and tim i appreciate you coming on and talking about your your hunting season this last year your your deer hunting and uh again a, a congrats on a really fantastic whitetail buck and i'll be be really Really curious to see your mount when you get them back and to find out what the official score is all on the end. So, Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting them back too, hopefully this summer. Um, 
hopefully to be quicker than my other taxidermy job. I've got one that's still out from 2019. So I'm oh, really yeah. itching for that one to come back to. <laughs> I imagine so. Wow. All right, guys. We'll appreciate y'all listening. Again, we've, we're coming back from a little bit of a break here, and it's good to be back on here with you guys. And we're gonna we're trying to get back in our groove of putting one of these episodes out every single Monday morning. So if you haven't already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to this podcast on. We're on all major podcast platforms as well as a YouTube channel and our website, fallobsession.com. That website is the hub. That's where you guys can go to find all of our content, video series, educational articles, wild game recipes, a a lot more other info and everything. Um, We do have our online store on there. We've been struggling with uh, some of our inventory stuff just with with the shortages and stuff, but we're finally starting to get some stuff coming our way again. We do have some items in stock, and our T-shirts are discounted right now, so you guys be sure you go um, pick up some fall obsession swag fallobsession.com slash podcast that's our obviously our podcast page on our website and where you guys can go to leave feedback and we're adding a new feature to that right now that i'll tell you guys a little bit about and that is we're planning ahead right now for episode 100 of our podcast this is episode 87 so we still got a few weeks to go before we get there but basically what episode 100 is going to consist of is um we're going to have all four of our Fall Obsession administrators on the podcast together. We've never had that privilege to get all four of the guys together before. So we're all going to be together. We're going to recap some podcast highlights. We're going to talk about some of our favorite episodes and our favorite guests. And we're giving you guys an opportunity to be involved by asking questions. So if you guys have a question about anything hunting or outdoor related that you would like us to address you can send it to us through fallobsession.com slash podcast, and we will answer it in episode 100. So we got some cool stuff that we're playing out and um, getting ready to stick in that episode. So stay tuned for more updates on that. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got all the socials in place and uh, weekly, multiple new videos a week right now hitting that YouTube channel. Um, we just finished up a veteran hunt giveaway, or uh, we gave away a veteran hunt basically in Texas and uh, just finished taking our hunter out. He killed a doe and an awesome whitetail buck, um, and that whole experience and everything was documented with our good friend Mark Zorich. So that video is going to be hitting our YouTube channel in the very near future as well, so be sure that you guys tune in for that. Tim, I appreciate you, man, and again, it won't be long before we get you back on here, so thanks for joining me sounds good sam and uh check out the rifle hunt rifle uh orange rifle hat we have that was my uh, lucky hat for this hunt i you know i ordered it trying to get it for the first rifle season and delays made it a couple days late so it came just in time for this one so i wonder if that was the difference oh i'm sure it was yeah tim tim uh there's he's got a reference for you right there so if you guys are uh, a rifle hunter one of the new blaze orange hat for for those late rifle seasons, go to fallobsession.com. We got some in stock, so um, go pick you one up, and maybe you can kill a stud like Tim. So, <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate y'all listening, and we will catch you guys again next week for another Fall Obsession podcast episode.
Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.